Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Celtic View podcast, the podcast of the nine in a row champions. I'm Paul Cuddy, editor of the Celtic View, and I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by my Celtic View colleagues, Joe Donnelly and Tony Conley. We're going to hear from them shortly, talking about last Tuesday's game against Reykjavik. Looking forward to Wednesday's European tie, and of course, a trip back to Tannadice for the first time in four years. But of course, we were back in action on Tuesday night. 6-0 against Reykjavik in the first qualifying round of the Champions League. Moy Elianusi, he was man of the match. He scored two goals. And let's hear from him now what he had to say after the game. Mohamed, congratulations. A convincing victory and uh, just what you were hoping for tonight. Yeah, it was uh, as we wanted. Uh, good start and finish it off with uh, good goals. Um, clean sheet, we played well. So um, yeah, it was a good game from us. And of course, the six goals bookended with one from you at the beginning and one at the end. So, um, a happy night for you. Yeah, obviously, it's always nice to score goals to uh, to help the team uh, to win games. Um, obviously, it was uh, two first goals for me uh, this season, so it was, it was great. And the game's been it's a couple of weeks coming. We were hoping we might have had more games before now, but they're going to come thick and fast. Um, next week, it will be round two. Have you any preference who you'll play in the next match? I mean, we, we are used to it, to, to play a lot of games, so um, it's all about, you know, recovery and focus on the next one. Um, today was all about getting through to the next round, uh, and then on we're going to focus on the league as well. Uh, obviously, we missed two, uh, two games there, so uh, we want to come back even stronger. Well, congratulations on a job well done, Mohamed. Thank you. Guys, uh, it was good to see competitive football back at Celtic Park. 6-0, it was pretty comfortable. A good game for the team to get back into the, the competitive flow. Uh, six good goals. We just heard from Moyle Yunusi there, who was outstanding from the moment he scored the goal in the fifth minute to, to the, when he finished the score near the end. Joe, we spoke about El Yunusi before. We're hoping to get him. He'll be in next week's Celtic view. Uh, I think he's keen to get a good run after his frustration of injuries last season, but he's, a real, he's going to be a really important player for us this season. Yeah, I think he is—he's um, looking very good so far this season already. Rekovic, with all due respect to them, probably not the best opposition, but nonetheless a great game for Celtic to get their European journey this season underway. And from start to finish, really, El Unisi was all over. It seemed fitting almost that he got the first goal and also the last. I think he was really frustrated last year with the injury. He came back in in the League Cup final, played 45 minutes, didn't he? Um, and he feels himself that, you know, keen to get back into the team at that point, but perhaps set himself back a little bit. But whenever we did see him play, he looked really good. Um, and already this season, is really looking the part. And I was delighted that he got his two goals. I mean, I have to say, probably for people who have just started watching us, who previously used to listen, they will be disappointed that for the, for the second time you've been on this uh, legendary pink hat, which people think I'm now making up. You've swapped it. You've swapped it for a halo. It looks like. I, uh, I do actually like the halo. I don't know what you're talking about. I think <laughs> it's news to me. I don't know if maybe Tony remembers, but Tony, we're, first of all, we're hoping that you've cleared all that alcohol from behind uh, your shelves in time. Yeah, I drank it all just before we started, <laughs> so I'm good. Uh, you know, Joe mentioned there. Obviously, Reykjavik maybe not the, the best opposition. We're going to have a step up next week in, in Ferencváros, but important given the fact we had, we had those two games cancelled, just to, for the players to get some game time and you kind of saw that from the, from the first minute you know as soon as we scored there was only going to be one winner yeah I think I think fans and ourselves maybe a wee bit anxious 
coming into this game because we wanted a, a wee run of games behind us to build up some momentum. That pause isn't ideal early on in the season. So to come away with a 6-0 win is, is kind of exactly what you're hoping for. And, and they started well. And the early goal makes a big difference. Um, and then when we're two up after quite early on, I think the, the players probably going into it were, were thinking, you know, it's important to get those early goals. That, that must have been the focus of them. And then once they get them, I think they're quite relaxed and it's just a free-flowing football. You can see they're enjoying themselves. They're being creative and it was just, it was really good to watch. Um, it's, it's brilliant to get a convincing win to, to, to start that and ease any nerves and just give the, the players some confidence after a wee break. And I suppose goal of the night would have been Odds and Edwards, goal where he walks through the defence. I was also delighted to see Greg Taylor getting his first goal, um, a, a header from about half a yard out. But it was good to see uh, him getting off the mark with, with his first goal. Yeah, definitely. It's the Chuckle Brothers again. One of you has to speak. Right, draw on you go. No, I was just saying, uh, Greg Taylor, nobody looked more delighted than him and certainly his teammates seemed to be giving him a bit of stick even after he'd put the ball in the net. He probably won't get an easier goal, I wouldn't have thought. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's credit to him, you know, to, to get himself into that position, to follow his run. And, um, yeah, he, had, he still had to put it in, still had the, the job to do. And, yeah, he looked surprised and delighted all at once. It's funny, Tony, the manager said when he was talking after the game, uh, that variety of goals from different players in the team, and it's, I, I suppose it's always important. You're always looking, you know, Odson will be leading the line. A Yeti, we saw a wee bit of him. He'll be chipping in with goals as well. But, you know, if you can get, you know, your, your left-back, we saw Frimpong's already on the score sheet this season as well. Julian get a, a header from a corner. It's good if, if goals are coming from all over the team. Yeah, it's, it's been brilliant to see that change over the last couple of years now. There's goals coming from everywhere. You've got... Ryan Christie through the middle scoring goals. You've got goals from James Forrest in the wide areas. And then, like you say, we've got the fullbacks scoring as well. So you're not too heavily depending on one person if they were to get injured and went in the team or if you need to sort of change things up a wee bit. You're, you're not relying on one person. It's difficult for opponents as well when coming into games. You know, they can do all they can to try and shut odds on Edward at a game. But if you're going to get Frimpong or Taylor, or Christie, or Forrest sort of popping up with a goal as, as well. It just makes that all the more difficult. Having those options is, is, is brilliant. Now, Joe, we've spoke before about, you know, the fact that the first three rounds of the Champions League, they're just one-off ties. So that, that that's, brings with it its own difficulties. But we've got another home tie next week. Ferenc Varos, they won 2-0 on Wednesday night against your garden from Sweden. Again, all the manager can hope for is a home tie. Be a step up in opposition, certainly from Reykjavik, but you know, the team will go in full of confidence that they can progress to the third qualifying round. Yeah, I mean, you said at the top of the programme um, that, again, with all due respect to Rekovic, perhaps not the, the stiffest opposition, but you can only play what's in front of you. So to win 6 now, Celtic did their job from back to front. Um, yeah, we expect a, a, a much stiffer challenge uh, next week. We've also got a game at the weekend as well. So in terms of building momentum, I'm sure the, the players will want to go out in and just keep that going. Just keep building, as Tony says, goals from all over the pitch. Um, filling themselves with confidence and they'll still fancy themselves. The the home advantage loses a little bit of an edge naturally when, when the fans aren't present. But, you know, you, you obviously, there's no travel to worry about and I'm sure they'll be as up for it as ever. Tony, you're going to be covering the, the Ferenc Varos game for the, the Celtic view. And one thing I've noticed from just being at the games, obviously there's no fans there, which isn't ideal, but you're suddenly aware of how, just how hard the players are kicking that ball. I mean, they are absolutely firing at each other. But more than that, 
the control when that ball's coming to them at speed and they just kill it there. It's so impressive to see that because obviously the crowd noise, they're maybe not aware of, of just the, the, the power and the ferocity in their passing. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of wee things like that you're noticing, especially with those miter balls that we use. I think they're like bricks. Um, so when you hear the players like really leather it as well, it's it's kind of frightening. It just shows just you know like the level that, that they're on and, and what they're able to do. Like the power. I think it was Scott Brown. Did he not have a, a shot from outside the box on, on Tuesday night as well? And the way he hits it sometimes on the rare occasions that he does shoot, like it, it's just so much power generated in that. And I think. If I were, if one of us were to try that, you'd break your foot. Because <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, Joe, you and I spoke about this at, at Rugby Park as well, and I, I noticed it the other night in particular. The obviously you can hear the players talking, and you're very. I was very aware that Scott Brown and Callum McGregor were constantly giving the other players instructions, const, constantly offering encouragement, con, constantly telling the team to keep going. The two of them, you know, you you heard their voices. You obviously, heard everybody, but the two of them in particular. It's almost like a kind of form of coaching and encouragement throughout the, the game in the heart of that midfield. Definitely, and I know that Scott Brown said um, in the, the first issue of the Celtic View this season that, you know, whilst everybody wants the fans back, not you know not least us and the players themselves, one of the, the upshots for him as a captain is that he can hear his players and they can hear his directions um, a lot easier. You can hear the manager shouting from the touchline, which depending on how the game's going, I'm sure can be a positive and a negative for the teammates. But yeah, I think you do notice and you hear a lot more of that. Um, and we spoke about Mohamed El Yunusi and his intelligence in the pitch as well. One of the things which he's so good at off the ball is his movements that I think a lot of the time go unnoticed for him. The amount of times he's able to pull players out to create that space for Greg Taylor. And because they're able to communicate a bit better without the, without the fans there, you do become much more aware of it when you're watching on. Um, and I think you appreciate the relationship that Scott Brown and Callum McGregor have even more. As you say, you can hear them talking to each other and making sure that when one's going, one's sitting and vice versa, when the ball's moving to the left, Callum McGregor's been a lot more communicative. Scott Brown is just organising the defence. And yeah, you do, naturally they do this all the time, but it is something that as a fan, when you're kind of watching play, you don't necessarily notice. And it's, it's good for a little bit more of insight into the game as well. You mentioned, obviously, the first issue of the view, and it's not quite a seamless link, but I'm just going to talk about the latest issue, the Celtic view, which I have here. Uh, Albion Ayeti is the cover star. It says Perfect 10. We saw a wee bit of him the other night. Um, we're also looking forward to the Dundee United game in this week's Celtic view. We just look at some previous clashes. But one thing we've started doing is uh, a Twitter poll just ahead of who we're playing at the weekend. And, you know, for this one, we offered up four games that were played against the United, we asked people to vote for it and then we just do a feature on it and before we, we chat about the game, we chat about that, the the, the game that was uh, voted as the, the favourite of the poll was back in 2008, May the 22nd, it was uh, Jan Venegur of Hesselink at the United, it was 1-0, it was the title, it was 3-0 for Gordon Strachan and it was the title that was won for Tommy and here is the goal that won that title. Cordwell and McManus and Robson and Benegora Hesselink of McDonald all waiting. Paul Hartley has to make a little bit of room for himself first. Here it comes from Hartley.
how many times have we seen that this season? Great, superb delivery from a wide area. Hartley has been quite magnificent tonight, just like Robson. And the big Dutchman just rose so high in the air, no one anywhere near him. Simple in the end, but he's done that so often. A 94th minute winner against Rangers a few weeks back is very important. This one, probably even more so now, because that should seal it. Do you know what's funny? I remember that game. Um, obviously, it was it, that was so emotional that time, just a week after Tommy had passed away. Um, so there was emo emotion amongst the support. There was emotion from the players, and it was a kind of winner-take-all. And it was remarkable that just that run of games, I think we won our last seven games, including two derbies. Um, so I wasn't surprised, Joe, that that, that was the, the game that most fans voted for as, as their favourite out of the four we gave them against the United. Yeah, I've certainly got my vote as well. Uh, yeah, it was it was such an emotional night from a very personal perspective. I've lost I lost a relative around about the same time. The funeral was actually the day before that game. But I remember going out, I was a 22-year-old, and um, watching it in the pub with my mates. And you said that they had to win those seven games. And there were points in the season where it looked like it wasn't going to happen. There was those two derbies, uh, the 2-1 game and the 3-2 game, which were crucial in that by Nakamura's goal. Uh, one of the best goals I think we've seen at Celtic Park in, in, in the history of, of the game there. Um, and that was so emotional for so many reasons. And whilst the result uh, between, between Rangers elsewhere, it meant that you know, Celtic had a clearer run anyway. You obviously didn't know that before the game, so to go up there and to win, and it was 1-0, but it felt, but it was fraught because they had to win and there was only one goal in it. But, you know, whether you believe in divine intervention or anything like that, it felt like it was, you know, with that run before it and all the emotions tied that it was meant to be. And yeah, I mean, it's something I'll never forget as a Celtic fan. And obviously you mentioned, you know, personal circumstances there. And I think people who have, have read the view eh, a couple of weeks ago, we just, we just mentioned that you've, you've, away from Celtic, you've written a, a book called Checkpoint, which is just a book about um, video games, the positive power of video games, how they can help mental health, how they've helped you. Um, and, you know, going back to, you know, that, that time and, you know, it's an important book. I, I've read it. Obviously, all the stuff about video games itself for an old guy are completely over my head, but I think it's an important book in terms of, of those issues. Well, let me say, given that I take a lot of stick for the pink hat, I do really appreciate the plug for the book on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, in a nutshell, it's about video games and mental health and how I used video games as a means of escapism, particularly uh, around about that time. And it's just kind of extolling the virtues of the medium that people sometimes write it off for different reasons, but it's um, about promoting mental health through a medium um, which I find very helpful for. And I know a lot of people find football as well. Um, it's something that as, as men in Scotland, we don't talk about enough. And yeah, the book stands to to generate that conversation and I hope that if anyone does read it that they're able to talk about their own circumstances as well. Tony, you're uh, going to be at, at Tannadice on Saturday night, half five kickoff. It, it was always a stadium I always enjoyed going. You will speak about it, we spoke about it before, we'll speak about it again, the fact that there's no fans there. But you know the manager on the view had mentioned it's like a it's a proper football stadium. It gives you that sense of a real football game. They're back up from the championship. They've won one game, they've drawn one, they've lost both their home games, but I think there's always an incentive, particularly for promoted teams when they come up against the champions, just to kind of try and prove that they deserve to be back in the top flight. 
Yeah, I think so. They've done well since they've they've come up. I was watching some of the highlights as well. So they've got, I think they've got two wins away from home now uh, on on the road. So it, they couldn't really have hoped for a better start. But they have a, a good squad squad as well. They're not overly relying on Shanklin either. Um, you know, he wasn't playing in the last game, but they still managed to to get a win. And I think like a lot of the the players and the manager will say when. When teams come up against Celtic, whether consciously or subconsciously, they really do raise their games. So that form, that that excitement and motivation that they've got for being back in the top flight, that's just going to go up another level when they've got the the champions coming to their stadium and they're, they're really going to be wanting to make an impression and, and just, just start fighting for their lives. So it's going to be a difficult game for Celtic. I think that 1-1 draw with... Kilmarnock after coming off the, the, the big win against Hamilton. I think that'll still be in the back of their minds. They're coming into this game again. They've got a big win, but they know what happened the last time. So I think Celtic are going to be really fired up and they'll want to sort of lay down a marker and say, no, this is it's this point on that we're going to be really consistent as well with, with all the games coming, with the, the games back now. So uh, it's going to be a good game. Both teams are going to be really hungry and wanting to make an impression. And I think as well... Uh, you know, obviously, like you, I'm hoping for a for a Celtic win. But I think it's a good game for us in preparation for the Perens Varos game because that you know I mentioned that's going to be a step up in terms of European quality. But a good tough away game, it, I think, is what what the team will want. They'll just because they'll have to be you know as they always are. They'll just have to be right on it. But, you know, because of the challenges that the United will pose, they've maybe had a couple of more domestic games than we have. Um, so I, I I think it's going to be a good game. You know, I, I I think you touched on it, Tony. That one-one draw will rankle the players, and they want to make sure that they get the three points. Yeah, definitely. It's not something that they're they're going to forget. They'll say that they've moved on from it, but they want to win every game. And when they come up short like that, that frustration, um, you you kind of set it aside. But you know, when it comes into these other games and teams wanting to sort of sit in and, and frustrate you, they're going to know what to expect, and they're definitely not going to want that feeling again, especially when it's so fresh in their minds. We see time and time again that. You know, when Celtic do have these wee blips, they respond really well. And I think that just speaks to to their mentality and the mentality in the team, the, the consistency. They just they never allow it. Scott Brown is, is a captain. They never allow it to, to drop for long. So they'll, they'll want to go in and, and just kind of, for their own sort of peace of mind, really put on a, another impressive performance. Joe, I mentioned uh, this Twitter poll that we've started running every week. The, the United won, obviously, the, the game in 2008. Won it. My own personal favourite out of the four was the, the Centenary Cup final, um, May the 14th, 1988. But I, I was quite happy to, you know, I wasn't going to disagree with it, with the poll. We're running another one again for the, for next week's view. And it's four moments uh, against Motherwell, who will be our next domestic opponents. Yeah, it's just looking to last year specifically. So four um, Brilliant goals in their own right, but basically to go in and vote for your favourite. We've got Chris Ayers on the overlap in the 5-2 game, the first game last year. Liga, if this is free kick um, in the first half as well, the one he put low um, to, to the right of the wall. We've got Callum McGregor's volley um, back in February also at Fur Park. Lovely bit of link-up play with forehand. And Austin Edwards' free kick, which just outside the box, you know, the way he does it when he gets it right. And we get it up and over. Fantastic goal as well. So... At the moment, I'm sure I voted for Callum McGregor's goal, but it's worth not to sway the vote. I think Hudson Edwards' free kick is edging it. Um, but we'd love for anyone watching and listening to, to sign into Twitter, go into the, the Celtic View account, at Celtic View, cast your vote, and leave a reply as well, because we're collating the replies and we're picking our best four 
every week to feature in the Celtic view. So, um, yeah, if you, if you choose one, tell us why in the replies as well, that would be brilliant. That was, that was going to be my next question, actually, just who you voted for. Because I think out of the four of them, I think I would I might vote for Ayers' goal, actually. So, Well, Ayers was a nomination for the goal of the season, wasn't it? Um, although his one at Aberdeen equally was, was good. Yeah, I mean, Chris Ayers, when he does that, when he busts from the back, when he becomes the spare man, um, he just I mean, he runs like a train, doesn't he? Because of his size and his frame. And James Forrest did expertly well to, to thread that ball through him. And it was a great finish. He's capable of a striker's finish for somebody that plays at the back. What I liked about McGregor's goal in terms of the one I picked was just the build-up before it, Edward, to Christie. I remember speaking to Ryan Christie afterwards. He plays that ball through to James Forrest, and he says that when you get that ball in the inside right channel, and equally in the left as well, but when you've got an inside right, you can just play the ball down there, and he knows nine times out of ten that James Forrest gets to it. James plays the cutback to Callum McGregor. Callum admitted that the ball sat up very nicely for him, um, but when that happens, you need to take it on, and, and he didn't. He nearly busted the net with his volley, so yeah, any one of them could, could win it. Yeah. I mean, that was a belter. Tony, I suppose we, we need to ask you to. I'm not sure if it's quite the casting vote because you could have voted for the, one of the other two, but where would your, where would your vote would, go? I would go McGregor. Yeah, I remember covering that game that night. It was freezing cold. You used to talk about this before we started, didn't you? Nah, for me, it was definitely <laughs> McGregor, and it was the, the build up play as well, and just, just the finish. You could see how. Please, Cal McGregor was with it as well. I, that was a great game, and that goal was brilliant. I'll always remember that. Another feature that I was wanting to highlight, and that we've started running this season, the Celtic View, um, Joe, that it was kind of nine from nine. We were basically asking fans it's nine questions from the, the, the past nine years, the nine in a row. And again, it's one that we've already had a few people, you know, it's like your favourite game, your favourite cup tie, favourite celebration. We're always looking for more fans to, to get involved. And again, it's I think it's great because it, it immediately gives you all these great memories over the last nine years and just reminds you just how extraordinary it's, it's been. Yeah, and I mean, it is just nine questions from nine in a row. It's not specific to domestic competitions or the European questions in there. Most people, in terms of their favourite European game, picked Barcelona, actually, for so many reasons. But it's even good here and why it was that was their favourite game, you know, Obviously, a remarkable result on a on a monumentous night for the club in terms of the 125th anniversary. But there are some games, as you say, you forget. I mean, people have named um, the Kilmarnock three each game in 2011-2012 uh, as, as a you know their favourite game because you know three 0 down at half time. It looked like Celtic were already in the back for that season, October or, or um, early in the season as it was, and of course we wanted to win win the league that year. Um, quite convincingly. So it's good to visit people's own personal memories and what have been a remarkable nine years. If um, Yeah, and if you fancy getting involved with that, same applies messages on the, the Celtic View Twitter account and just get involved. It's it's really good to, to share the fans' memories over the last nine, to see some that match up your own and then obviously some personal ones as well. well we're going to finish the podcast by just looking back at the, the six goals that we scored from Tuesday night against Reykjavik, just to get us in the mood for hopefully some goals at Tannadice. But Tony, as I said, I mentioned already, you're going to be at Tannadice. In terms of the team, you know, the manager obviously made a couple of changes uh, on Tuesday night. El Hamid came back in. Nir Beton was alongside Chris Julian in the heart of, of defence. And the manager said it was, it was good just to give some other guys some game time because, you know, because of the, the schedule, it's almost like the calm, I think, before the storm of there's just going to be a whole raft of games. It's good to get these guys some game time, but the fact that the two of them played well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the manager goes with with his starting 11 at Tannadice. 
Yeah, I was really pleased with uh, Neil Beaton. I was really happy for him. I'm a big fan of him. I think he's he's just such a cool head. Seen him in the, the centre of defence as well. He's always calm in his positional awareness is great as well. He made an important block in that game in, in midweek. So he's always in the right place at the right time. He doesn't really get caught out. And it's not like, you know, that central defensive position is is what he is, is used to playing. He's primarily a, a midfielder. So it just speaks to how intelligent a player he is. And he's got a good range of passing as well. So when you've got someone of his quality that can step in and put on a performance like that, it, it's really exciting. And then El Hamid as well, been a wee while since we've, we've seen him because he's struggled with injuries, but he comes back in and he's a, a real player of quality as well. To have that depth in the squad and have that sort of, player coming off the off the bench and have those options as well at right back it's it's really good it's not a position that I think anyone's going to be concerned about for a while when you've got those two players able to play there I'm going to put you in the spot now just a, a prediction for the game against the United I'm going to say 2-0 good I'll take that that's fine Joe what about yourself I've kind of been concerned and said 2-0 for every game this season, uh, none of which I've got right. I'm going to say 4-0, uh, simply because I think that Dundee United will sit in and look to get Celtic on the counter. But I think, like you guys spoke about already, and Ryan Christie uh, definitely noted this in his, in his interview in the Celtic View this week, that when teams sit in, um, it's up to Celtic to work out how to, to break that down and to get those goals, which we've seen them do so many times in the past. It didn't work at Kilmarnock, and I think they'll be going for it. So 4-0 for me. Well, I'm going to go for 3-1. I think that's just going to be my prediction for the season. <laughs> uh, the latest Celtic view is out. Ryan Christie's interviewed Albion Ayeti. We'll catch up with Scott Robertson as well, uh, amongst others. So you can get that. And I'll say follow us on Twitter and we'll get various things going on. I'm sure people will be, will be impressed in the fact that we all get coordinated with our, with our gear for, for these podcasts. So it just shows you we do make a wee bit of an effort. But, uh, I'm thanks for that next week. Well, listen, you've, you've now said it on the record, Joe, and people will be disappointed. They'll be tuning in just to see this legendary pink hat. Um, sure. But we we shall return next week, hopefully in the back of three points at Tannadise and into the third qualifying round of the Champions League. But to get you in the mood, we're going to finish off with the six goals that Celtic scored against Kjær Reykjavik last Tuesday night at Celtic Park. It's long from Julian looking for Mohamed El Yanoussi. He's round the goalkeeper, and there is the first goal of Celtic's European campaign for the new season. Mohamed El Yanoussi gets it. The Southampton Loney cushioned it so well, and it was the most simple of finishes. Well, Julian, it's a terrific ball just over the centre half's head. Ardellison, I think it was. and. It's a brilliant touch from Elianusi. Great start from Celtic after five minutes. To be fair, Reykjavik haven't had a touch. They haven't had a kick of the ball. It's been all Celtic. Now Brown, Edward, occupying three opposition players. We may well see Edward dropping out. Here's El Hamed across oh, to Edward. It's in. It's an own goal. Celtic's second of the evening. Smiles all round for the Celtic players. It is an own goal from KR Reykjavik that doubles Celtic's lead.
Forrest. Elianusi again. Fine stop by Peter Olofsson to keep Celtic at 2 0. I wouldn't have passed that, no chance, Rory. You're joking, are you? I knew the answer when I asked the question. It's Julian and a third for Celtic. Christopher Julian rises highest and a fine header that ripples the net for Celtic. They are well on their way now. Once more, McGregor, Forrest, Christie. It will break for Forrest. Elianusi's in there. It's a tap in for Edward, surely. Cleared off the line. Edward claiming again for a handball, but that had to be 4 0. I can't believe this hasn't gone in. Oh, how much closer can Celtic get to score a fourth? It's a great build up play again. McGregor into Forrest. Oh, that looks like a handball to me. One by Christensen. And there goes Finn Bogerson, and good save by Barkas, called into action for the first time, the Greek goalkeeper. Uh, Finn Bogerson denied, it was a smart save. It was a smart save, Finn Bogerson decides he had to hit it early, Barkas is down, saves it. There's Forrest with the chest control into Christie, El Hamed, and there's Taylor! And Greg Taylor knocks in number four inside the opening 30 seconds of the second half. It's a rare strike for Greg Taylor. His first in Celtic colours and just the second of his entire career. A header at the back, back stick from Taylor to make it 4-0. That's great play again uh, from Forrest. That's a lovely ball in and it's El Hamid with another assist and Greg Taylor's there to do the simplest of things and just head it into an empty net. Champ. Hudson Edward. Weaving his way through, can he finish? He certainly can. Well, he must have seen who was warming up on the bench because Odson Edward with what looks like his final touch does at last get his goal and it's five for Celtic. This is just class. Look at this, fast feet. Oh my goodness. And a nice calm finish with his left foot. That's put another five million on Edward's head. That's a goal, nobody wants to touch him. Nobody wants to go near him. I think they're all worried about maybe committing a foul. No arguments with that one. He had 81% of the vote and he's in with another one. Perfect timing from Mohamed El Yanoussi. Rounds off this game perfectly right on the 90th minute mark. Celtic get their sick. El Yanoussi, who started it, has finished it. Some praise there as well was the pass from Olivier Cham. Absolutely pinpoint from the Frenchman. And from there, Mohamed El Yanoussi was never going to miss and Celtic have six.